0: This podcast is part of the Gunna Geek Network. The opinions expressed may not reflect those of other podcasts or affiliates of this show or Gunna Geek. Check out other geeky podcasts at GunnaGeek.com. And get ready because geekiness commences in three, two, one. We are live. Did you literally just make us go live without my permission?
1: We're live. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. This is what happens when you give me control.
0: uh Don't remember doing that. You gave me Oh, I accidentally hid you from the broadcast. You're muted. I muted you in the broadcast. You don't know how to unmute me, do you? Nope, I don't. Uh, what is this? I need... What did I say? I said it in the invitation... You muted yourself again. Wow. This is... This is our best of 2014 uh, video game episode, yet the worst of Jonathan Martin and Cody Goff's ability to use Google uh, podcast, both both kind of at once, really.
1: Google um, doesn't know anything. I don't know what to I'm, tell you.
0: I'm I- almost impressed with how poorly this
1: episode has has begun. We've been doing this. We've been doing this for like a hundred episodes, basically, and almost. We, still done. we have no idea what the hell we're doing. It's we really, really, it's perfect.
0: Google Hangouts is 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 for a Google product. Uh, shockingly not intuitive. Like shockingly, and I don't know if it's just because we don't use it often enough, or because we only start to look at how to use it thirty seconds before we're supposed to go on the air with it. But. Uh, one way or another, it it is not – we're not good at it. It's not maybe, a thing that
1: we're – Maybe it's one of those things where uh, it, there's just – there's so much functionality baked into it that, that you and I just do not get. Like I don't think we get it. I don't think we get Google Hangouts. I think it does far more than you or I will, will ever know. And so we just – we basically use it to bullshit is what we do. And we could be using it for a lot more.
0: I mean, we could. Everything is labeled. And, of course, now I have to reach into my drawer and grab a notepad because you're swearing already on this episode, which you know I have to edit out later because we are a family-friendly podcast. I f***ing said nothing. I said no swears. So that happened. And, yes, thank you once again um, for joining us. We should probably stop BSing around because this is just a list episode, right? So we should get right to the list. Like, (laughs) no one... Cares about our weekends or our Christmases. We are coming off of a three-week hiatus, which is the longest break we've had since summer 2013. Uh, the holidays just happened, and, and I think
1: the- I think with good reason. I mean, our, you know, our oftentimes we've been recording on uh, Wednesdays, and Wednesday was Christmas Eve. It, I don't know about your holiday. This is my first holiday with a baby. It was like. It was the most insane holiday season ever, along with the, the whole basement thing going on, which is, like, we set up my office again, so I have a, a real computer in an office again, um, which I haven't had for six months. And so that was a big endeavor to try to, like, get get the office reset up. So, like, it has been just a whirlwind of a couple of weeks here. The holidays are insane.
0: Um, apparently. They, they, were, they were fine for me. <laughs> I did a lot of shopping, like, two days before Christmas Eve. But, you know, what can you do? Mm -hmm. I had things to finish. But, uh, but, But I did have a great Christmas. I'm assuming you did as well.
1: I did. It was excellent. It
0: was awesome, so wonderful, and it is all good and everything. And and many, I didn't many have to. I didn't have to talk to you for a while. That was yeah. That was nice. That was definitely a highlight. I will say. Yeah. I will say. Well, we'll we'll have a lot to catch up on. Uh, you know, having come off this this kind of long break, I I think we should just kind of dive in and focus on our favorite games of 2014. Celebrate those. And the next episode. We're just going to rant, ramble so much about our lives and everything. We can that's recap sh- Christmas
1: and New Year's. The next episode may be 30 hours long. That's
0: something true. like that, yeah. Well, no, Google Hangouts can only broadcast for up to 24 hours, I believe.
1: Mm, okay, so that's good. Twenty. So we'll do but, 24. But-
0: yet again, we're unqualified to not only talk about video games, but also to talk about Google Hangouts, which we clearly do not know how to use. And you lost your webcam in this office remodel, correct?
1: It's somewhere in this house. I don't know where it's at. I will find it. I, I just, I don't know where it's at right now. I mean, I am so...
0: thrilled that I don't have to look at your stupid, atrocious face for the most part. So I'm not going to complain,
1: really. Mm-hmm. But... No, I think that I think that that's fair. Um yeah. So, uh, listener, if you had not have not listened to we, this, is the second time we've ever done this, um, and we did it. We did it last year, um, right around New Year's as well. And uh, the way that we do this is we do not do our top ten or five or three list um, from this year because we do not play the newest greatest best video games that's not that's not how we play video games necessarily right we we do play those occasionally but that's like that is not what we focus on playing Um, we just play games that we have collected oftentimes over the course of the years Um, and so what we do is we do the top five list of games that we played this year just of the games that we played now this could go back to an SNES era day uh, game that we may have not have played before and we played and thought it was incredible. I, I don't think that happened um, for either of us, nor did that happen last time. But the point is, is that these games are just games that we played this year. They didn't have to come out this year.
0: Although I will say, incidentally, four of my top five did come out this year.
1: I don't actually... Um, boy... All, all of mine might have. <laughs> so that being said, all glad of... we
0: prefaced that.
1: Actually, no. Actually, two of mine did not. I don't. Okay. Know. Uh, and so, with that known, I suppose we can get started. We can. Would you? Would you
0: like to begin with your number five? You know, I'm going to start with my number five because I feel like your number five or your number four may be on my list.
1: I'm going to give an honorable mention before we start because I think that all all top five lists need a sixth pick. That was kind of your runner up, right? Because I, we were talking about this before we started, but I, I really did have to kind of agonize over my list. And my honorable mention that did not make my top five was actually World of Warcraft, Warlords of Draenor, the expansion that just came out in November of this year. Right? So um, interesting thing about this game. I was prepared two weeks ago to make that my game of the year. Whoa... Two weeks ago, I was prepared to make the game of the year. And I'm going to talk about this on the next episode. Uh, But I I have never turned so hard on a World of Warcraft anything than I turned on this particular expansion. I went from being in absolute love with it to I am canceling my account.
0: What? Did you?
1: Yeah, yeah. Are, are uh, you kidding me? No, I just... And, and I'll talk about this on the next episode, but some decisions with the... And, and uh, to be perfectly honest, what it probably is, is I am no longer at a point in my life that can sustain the type of game playing that World of Warcraft necessitates, right? At least in the way that I want to play it. So in my heyday, listener, if you've never heard me talk about it, World of Warcraft, for, th- for maybe three years of my life, was the only video game I played. I missed I missed the start of the Xbox 360 era I, and, and PlayStation 3 era. I literally missed them. I, I played no games from consoles of that generation because I was only playing World of Warcraft. I led a successful uh, guild um, and was a raid leader for that guild um, through all of Burning Crusade and into some of, of Wrath of the Lich King, which are the second and third expansions. And that spanned about a three-year time, and it was awesome. I I can say, and I am on the record with many of my friends saying this, that uh, as far as video game experiences in my life, I have yet to to I have yet to have a single one that has topped anything from that period of time, ever. They were it was that much fun to play with large groups of people doing these raids, right? So when I got back into this particular WoW expansion, I was like, well, I you know I. I want to find a way to raid because that was like the most fun thing. But my life is just not in a position for me to sit down on a scheduled period of time. Now, I might be able to find these large chunks of time, but I can never schedule them into my life. And, you know, when you're, when you're raiding with a guild, it's like, okay, we're going to raid from 7 o'clock to 10 o'clock server time. And I just, I'm not in a position to ever be able to do that, ever like, ever again. And so I... um. I basically maxed out my character, and I'll talk about some of the new systems the next time we talk. But I maxed out my character with all the stuff I could do, and then for my purposes, I've got nothing to do. I've got nothing to do when I log into the game now already, and because I can't schedule these raids um, into my schedule, I'm 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 done. Hmm. And I think that that's, that's probably sad. I, so part of me is sad about that, and then the other part of me is like, yeah, this totally makes sense. Like it it makes sense.
0: Interesting, and I like the cliffhanger that you're setting up, so people have to tune into us next week in yeah, 2015.
1: I, I legitimately could talk about it for a very long time, and I probably will. So that was my that was my runner up. Do you have one that like that you feel like you just it should have made your list, but it didn't? <laughs> you know, it's funny.
0: I'm actually so I'm looking at my top five list, and my number five I still have written down as a split between two. Um, but I think I'm going to choose one over the other, so my honorable mention will be Sketchy Tower Defense.
1: (laughs) I remember you you talking about that. That's such, like, a rant. Oh, my God, your list is going to be the worst.
0: It's literally, like, a dollar on Xbox
1: Live Arcade. Your list is... Your list is going to, be, it's going to be the worst list.
0: It's an Indie Tower Defense game. I actually posted a video review. It's our It's our only ever Unqualified Gamers video review on our YouTube channel. Just search for Sketchy Tower Defense. Actually, if you search for Sketchy Tower Defense on YouTube, my video review comes up as like the third or fourth match because who is making videos about Sketchy Tower Defense? <laughs> Uh, it's so obscure. It's an Xbox Live indie title with no soundtrack or background music. It just sound effects. Uh-huh. And uh, I played it for like eight hours straight with uh, Russian John, who's been on our podcast before, yes. uh, our friend in Moscow, my, my best friend of me in Moscow. And we just played it nonstop. It was really fun. And for a dollar, I'm just like, this is more, inter- I mean, I'm getting more bang for my buck than most games. So Sketchy Tower Defense is my ridiculous runner-up. And you're probably going, and It's it's a tower defense game, you can go back and watch the video review. Something was wrong with the microphone on my camera, so the audio quality is atrocious. Mm-hmm. I may have to buy a new microphone for that camera because it's so messed up and I just haven't had time to mess with it. Uh, but something is jacked up with that, th- with the video and the audio version of the episode is even worse because then you don't even get the visual. You just get me vaguely describing something with horrible audio. So I apologize to anybody that had to suffer through that. It was garbage in terms of quality, but the content was was not bad. Uh, if I do say so myself and you're going to laugh probably just as much when I tell you my number five game of the year my fifth favorite game from this year uh, that it almost topped
1: mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Pokemon okay, why Y
1: just, so, so sketchy tower defense was almost better to you this year sketchy tower defense was al- that one dollar game was almost better to you than Pokemon Y
0: and do you know why no pun intended?
1: No, I don't, but <laughs> I want you to tell me why.
0: It's because I you know honestly I think it's because I'm frustrated I couldn't catch them all. Not even kidding. Not really? even
1: kidding. Really? Yeah. That was it?
0: I think, because here's the thing, like, th- there's a lot of different ways to play Pokemon, and I talked about this in my review, by the way, I posted an article on our website, unqualifiedgamers.com, uh, like, December 27th or something, uh, that lists all of the games that I played, all the games John played, and all the games that we both played, um, separately but together, um, including links to every individual podcast. So if you want to hear us go more in-depth about any of these games, just go to that article, which I'll also link to in the YouTube description for this video and the audio version of this podcast. Um, But they are all very easily accessible. There's also a search bar on the right side of UnqualifiedGamers.com where you can easily search for any of these games if you want to hear us go into detail about them. Now, I loved Pokemon Y, and I think part of why it didn't go higher up is because it wasn't as top of mind. It's I haven't played it in several months, but it was amazing, and it was a really good game, and it had all the features. You were playing that game for like six months. Oh, well, yeah. I was playing it for a very long time, and it was phenomenal. The, the, the thing was, though, I just – I am having a hard time as an adult gamer with – the idea of not being able to consume all of the content in a game and I for some reason that just irked me to the point where I, I just didn't want to put it higher on my list you know in terms of execution it did everything perfectly it it added more to the Pokemon brand that it ever had before um, there were just so many good things about it that I, that I go into a lot of detail about and it was really fun and it's a great RPG um, but at the end of the day I don't know maybe I did it wrong because I look back and I thought to, I think to myself, when I played through that game, I tried to catch as many Pokemon as possible. Anytime I got to a new area, I caught a whole bunch. I was trading a bunch. I was using the global trading system a whole bunch, all this other stuff. My friend Meredith got Pokemon Omega Ruby, one of the new Pokemon games, and told me she had beaten
1: it three days later. Three days later. So there's a very good chance that she did not collect them all. Correct. She probably played it
0: like an RPG, presumably is meant to play be played, which is you play it and win, and then you're done. But the collector instinct in me was trying to consume as much of the game as possible by collecting and collecting and collecting. And I remember so meticulously organizing my boxes. And I have a Pokedex on my phone. I literally downloaded Dexter, the Pokedex app. It was a great app, by the way. I downloaded the app to search for Pokemon to see which ones that I had could evolve. I organized my boxes in my game to ones that you have to trade to evolve, ones you have to level up to evolve, ones that don't evolve. Like, I was all over the place. I even – my friend uh, Stacy even beat Pokemon X or got – she got partway through Pokemon X and then wanted to replay the game. I had her come over and trade me her Xerneas and some of her other rare Pokemon before she started a new game. And I made her wait like four days – in order to restart the game so that I could get these.
1: I mean, you're basically telling me that due to a character fault of your own, (laughs) you didn't like Pokemon.
0: Maybe, and I loved it. I did love it. Which I guess is fine, I guess. I'm just saying in retrospect. Okay, okay. This is sheer... (coughs) (coughs) What was that? Excuse me. (coughs) Wow, that was weird. Um... Never coughed on this podcast before, ever. That's actually true, I think. Um, in retrospect, for some reason, it just rubs me the wrong way. Is like, oh, it didn't like leave me with this lasting, like, grand impression that I feel like it should have. I don't know. I really don't know what I'm saying. This is the most arbitrary, bizarre list you're ever going to hear in terms of 2014 games because that's... there's so much. Yeah, totally I mean, sketch, sketchy tower defense was my was my honorable mention. And I played, like, Civilization Beyond Earth and Super Mario 3D World, like, and Hyrule Warriors, and none of them are on my list. Yeah. It's like, something is wrong with me, but this is Unqualified Gamers, so we have an automatic disclaimer, uh, so, you know, eat it. Right. What's your number five?
1: So my number five is actually, I think it was on my list last year, but it counts because it got expanded this year, and that was FTL Advanced Edition. <laughs> specifically and this is my number five now and I think last year was my number three but specifically because of the iPad version of it which I did play at like the start of the year um and it it is a game it is one of those games that like like it it's iPad incarnation is the it's just the perfect game for the iPad um but when you very when you first play it, like when you first play it on a PC gamer, if you have played your um if you have played FTL on the PC and not played the iPad version of it, it actually doesn't seem like it would be a good game on the iPad because there is a lot going on. It just the team that they assembled um, just made an excellent version of it is basically what it boils down to. They really, really did. Um. And so there's a lot of zooming in and zooming out that happens very quickly and organically as you're playing. It auto-pauses in the game when you're, when you're playing it, which is super helpful so you can plan out your moves because it's a little more precise by having to touch the area that you're going to be going to, considering some of the rooms are very small. Um, it's, just, it's, a, it's a perfect version of that game. It, it really is. So um, that's my number five. And you can actually listen to the podcast from last year about my top five games, and hear why I like FTL so much. But the expansion just adds so much cool stuff. All the new weapons, a new race, a bunch of new ships. They add a different ship layout for every single one of the ships, including a new ship. So there's just so much. There's so much that they added. It's really awesome. Um, and and, And the coolest thing they did was, if you owned FTL, you just got the expansion for free on the computer. So the iPad version, when you buy it, Comes with the expanded content, which is cool. And if you um, owned the PC version, they just gave you the expansion for free.
0: Yeah, you're obsessed with that game. It's really good. Like, did legit. you ever? Did you ever get the final ship?
1: I did. I never unlock the crystal ship. I probably have. And, and I this game doesn't have cloud saves, so I have you know three different versions of this game on three different computers or two different computers and my iPad. Ah, uh, that's so not I've unlocked, fun. Well, it's okay because the game is the game is good from start to finish every time you play it. Um so I have different things unlocked on every computer.
0: Now, am I correct in recalling that our friend Max did get the crystal ship?
1: Max has actually unlocked the crystal ship on two different instances of the game.
0: <laughs> All right. So why is he so much better at the game than you?
1: That's a really good question. And I don't know. Um to be fair, unlocking those specific ships is I, I would argue maybe 25% skill and 75% luck because they have to they have to appear like that particular event has to appear. That The event is incredibly rare in itself and then you have to do a bunch of special, special things once you get that event. So you almost have to like to unlock the most rare things in the game you have to set out from the start of your run and like with the intention of doing this particular thing, right? So, like, I I just never kind of did that is the reason I think why I –
0: You said it's 75% luck, so that means that he is 25% better than you as a person.
1: Yeah. No, I think that math checks out.
0: Okay. Just making sure. Cool. Cool. Um, And before we go on to number four, we have a comment, actually, on this uh, Google Hangout, since we are live right now, from Jakotsu, and he says my favorite game of 2014 is Far Cry 4.
1: And I have heard amazing things about that game.
0: Uh, Neither John nor I have played that game, so it will not be on our top five list, but yeah, I've heard amazing things. But I thought that was, look at that timing... His favorite game is Far Cry 4, and we're about to go into number 4. And I'd like to do my number 4 first, and I'll, I think, you'll understand after, I think it's because my number 3 is probably your number 4, and I'd rather have that seamless transition. Interesting. Okay. So I'm going to go into my number 4. Okay. My number 4 is a another blockbuster title, Lightning Returns, Final Fantasy XIII. <laughs> Son
1: of a bitch. Really? <laughs> No, I knew it was going to make your list. Uh, it's it's a shame, you know. It might have made my list had I had I actually played it, but I don't think we can go through a podcast without you talking about Final Fantasy. Is really is really what it boils down to.
0: I mean, behind me, for those savvy viewers, there is a promotional poster for Lightning Returns: Final Fantasy XIII. It just it tied the series together in such a beautiful bow. Um, I I hated it at first. I thought it was just like totally outrageous and the storyline didn't make any sense and lightning is jesus all of a sudden and it was weird and just like didn't mesh with the first two games and it was bizarre but by the end it just like really had pulled me in and it had one of the most satisfying endings i've ever seen in a game honestly so uh it just did a really good job It, it was a fun game and i remember Really enjoying it when I played it, like really, really enjoying it and getting very hooked on the gameplay.
1: Listener, if you go back and listen to our Final Fantasy Thirteen Three podcasts, uh, the story to me sounds ridiculous. It, it, it. Well, it sounds it, it, ridiculous, but, <laughs> but, um, it. I I will say that the gameplay sounded really fun.
0: Yeah, and
1: it was. So, yeah. And it
0: was. So, uh,
1: yeah. But so damn, number... if it, damn if it did not sound ridiculous.
0: Yeah, it was pretty pretty atrocious. Una Velza. Uh, so, so, that is my number 4 lightning returns Final Fantasy 13. I, I honestly, and you know our friend Blake was like, "Oh, well, I'm on a break uh from my job for a week. Do I play through Final Fantasy 9 or Final Fantasy 10 or 13 or whatever and blah blah blah." Someone ruined the ending uh to Final Fantasy 10 for him, so he didn't want to play that, which happened to me too, honestly, but I, I ended up just soldiering on and playing it anyway. Um, but I, I was recommending the 13th trilogy, and he, he just said it was too much of a time sink, which it really is, but it is. the whole trilogy, I, I really think, I mean, 13, we both love 13. 13 is certainly worth playing. 13-2 uh, is very hit or miss. Uh, I could take it or leave it, honestly, in terms of the series as a whole, and then the third one, just like, it just... Uh, if you play the second one and the first one, definitely play the third one. That's all I have to say. Okay. About that.
1: Uh, let's see how well you know me, because you said you think you know what my number four is. My number four is Shovel Knight.
0: Oh no, I did not know that. Yeah. Um, no. And, okay. Uh, so, I will talk about Shovel Knight later in my list. So
1: I, I figured it would it would be on your list. But yeah, my number four is Shovel Knight. Um I don't know. I, I feel like I need to like, apologize that it's not higher, but I still think that just putting it on my list and with the number of games that I played is probably still an honor of itself, right? It's significant. Yeah. Um, it is a really, really good 2D platformer. Like, really good. Um, <laughs> I, and that's, I mean, I don't know what else to really say about it. It's really good. Uh, they The creators of it just made. An incredibly tight 2D platforming experience, very akin to Mega Man. Only it had a bunch of like smart, updated, new, new style gameplay stuff in it. I really liked it, um, and it had an, an like an amazing soundtrack. Um, There's just there was a ton of stuff to really love about that game. Um, so yeah, that was my that was my number four. I mean, other than there's just not a lot more to say about it other than like it was a solid 2D platformer with a bunch of like un- hidden stuff in every level. I mean, it it like borrowed the best. It was a game that borrowed the best from all of my favorite 2D platformers as a kid. Your Mega Man, DuckTales, all of those, and it meshed them together seamlessly and created like a really fresh new experience. And I really really enjoyed it.
0: Good, and I, I can expound on that a bit later when we get to it on my list. But now that we've both done our number four, I should mention another listener, Christopher Long, one of the good friends of our podcast, who has, uh, who's he is uh, also an unqualified gamer. He's one of our our brethren. Is that the right way to say? it? That doesn't matter. Um, Christopher's awesome. Uh, he has written for our website before. You can find some of his articles at unqualifiedgamers.com. He says my favorite game of 2014 is Binding of Isaac Rebirth. Did you play think, that? Is it the no,
1: sequel? I, I, I haven't bought it yet. No, it's not actually a sequel. It's a remake of of a game that came out what two years ago. It's a it's a it's a remaster of it. Um, like I think I believe they added a bunch of new stuff. The game already had like a ton of items and stuff in it. I believe they added a a bunch of new items, um, new rooms, and all that kind of stuff. The big hook for me. And when it goes on sale, I'm sure I'll buy it. The big hook is that they actually added controller support, because I think that the game—Oh
0: my God, are you serious?
1: Yeah, because I think that the game controls kind of crappy as a gamepad game, but or as as a uh, as a key as a mouse and keyboard game, but as a gamepad game, I think it would work super well. So um, I thought that was kind of a big deal.
0: Yeah, I think that's a huge deal. You reviewed Binding of Isaac on our very first episode ever.
1: I did, and that was, I downloaded it.
0: Yeah, and I got it, and I tried to play it, and I hated it because of no gamepad support. And it is, it's it's meant to be played with a gamepad. I mean, yeah. it, it's a kind of game that is that kind of game is used as a gamepad. So yeah, uh, and
1: so they did that. They uh, yeah, they they added gamepad support, and I think you can get it for like ten. You know, Steam Winter Sales going on right now. Get it for ten dollars.
0: I have not even looked at the Steam Winter Sale once because I have so many games I'm in the middle of playing right now. It's ridiculous.
1: Yeah, like sketchy tower defense.
0: Yeah, not happening actually. So hey, um, hey, listen, there's other games. I'm gonna let you do your number three first.
1: So, uh, my number three and a game that I like stopped playing for a while but then picked back up again, um, is free. Anybody can play it. In fact, they just released some numbers that they had 20 million people uh, in individual, different users playing the game at the same time. It's going to be League of Legends, isn't it? No, well, League well, of Legends was, was not, it be can't last be. Year. Yeah, it can't. That was my number one last year. It can't be that again because that hasn't like changed. No, oh God, Hearthstone. It is Hearthstone, and I stopped playing it for a couple of months, and I don't, don't really know why. I just kind of. Uh, Okay, so uh, listener, Hearthstone is a is a it's a one on one, it's a two player collectible card game made by Blizzard, uh, completely digital. So you earn money by like doing doing stuff in the game, and then you use that money to buy packs, and you can of course also use real money to buy packs. And then you open those packs, and you get rare cards, and you make decks, and you use those decks to to play other people, and it's super fun. And they took a digital card game, which sounds like the late, like object, like you step back from video games for a second and you think this is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Like, who <laughs> wants to take a card game and play it on a computer? But because it's Blizzard and because they, they know, because they make the highest quality—I would argue—the highest quality products of any video game developer. I think they—they are, they are rivaled only by Nintendo in terms of the quality of their products because the quality of their products is so high, they made just this... They made all these tiny little touches in this game to make it perfect. From, like, the rarest of the cards, when they get placed on the board, they push into the board, and they create an earthquake and an explosion, and a tiny crack runs across the board for a second. So you feel like you played a really powerful card. Um, To you being able to disenchant cards that you have multiple copies of for dust that you can then use to create or create other cards which you may not have gotten in packs before. Um, there's just a ton of really smart, elegant decisions. The treadmill is super slow if you don't want to pay money, but you still get enough cards to feel competitive with other decks, which is really important, I think, um, in collectible card games. So even when, you know... Even me, who I haven't put a, I haven't put a single dollar into this game, I have probably played it for forty hours worth of time. Um, and I've not spent a dollar, and I have a ton of different cards, like including some legendaries, which are oranges, which is the highest rarity, the or the rarest of the rarities, um a lot of purple cards. Um, I take that back. I did spend money to buy their solo adventure, so I take that back. but um just, the base cards that you get for every class make the game playable right out of the get-go for you. So, um, if you have not played Hearthstone, and you at all like collectible card games, like if you were ever into Magic the Gathering, Hearthstone will totally addict you if you have not tried it. It's really, really good. Really good. Um, and it totally, if you have that collector's itch, like obviously you do, if you've got that, it totally scratches that. Um, because you can earn cards for like cards for free, yeah, I don't know why I haven't tried this game yet. yeah, you you earn cards for free by playing the game, and the, yeah they do this awesome thing. like you buy a pack and you have to move. there's no reason to have to do this other than it's it it feels good, other than it feels good when you do it. You move the pack the pack is locked when you buy it, and you just move it onto this like center island thing and it locks into place and it explodes open. You get five cards, every card is face down, and you have to click them one by one, and if it's a higher rarity than common, the screen shakes, it sparkles really bright, and turns over slowly. I mean, like, there's no reason to do that other than it it feels awesome. It's the exact same rush that you get when you open a booster pack of collectible cards.
0: Of My Little Pony cards, because they usually have sparkles that fly all over you when you open them.
1: That's right, and then you have sex with horses.
0: (laughs) Yeah. That, that certainly is the logical extension of buying collectible cards, having sex with horses.
1: Yeah so it, the game is just God, that game is really good and I'll you be honest hard
0: for this game. you really I'll be,
1: are. I'll be honest. Um, oh and the other the other thing I want to say about it is that when you know I was just talking about the the difficulty I have with like scheduling time, hearthstone, a game of hearthstone takes anywhere from three minutes to 10 minutes at the most. So you want to talk about a game that is easy, and it's on iPad, so that's super nice, but you want to, and they actually just released it on Android as well, Um, but you want to talk about a game that is just super pick-up-and-play friendly, it, it is this game. I mean, you literally, you can pick up a game, you can play a game in five minutes and put it down, and I can't tell you the number of times that I've done that, and it just, it's really nice to have a game that fills that niche. Because that niche, you know, more often than not, games are interested in getting you to sit down and play them for long stretches of time. And this game isn't. That's not what it's about.
0: Dude, if that's your number three, I don't know if I'm going to be able to handle hearing you talk about your numbers two and one. Yikes.
1: hmm
0: I'm shocked that it's not your number one.
1: It was – there was a – when I was looking at my list, there, there was a – I almost did make it my number one. I did. I almost did. But I didn't. But I was close.
0: Dude, this is getting really intense, <laughs> just so you know. Listen, I know, we're
1: going to have a fight here in a second.
0: Buckle up, listener, get ready. I'm ready for num- my number three. Are you ready for my number three? Uh... Yeah, sure, let's hear it. That was the worst sound I've ever heard on this podcast. Don't ever do that again.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Mm-hmm. All right.
0: Number three may surprise you.
1: Is it sketchy tower defense? <laughs> I hate you. Sketchy tower defense. It may
0: surprise you that, it, that it's this high, but uh, my number three is, uh, do you want to guess? So it's a game that I'm going to be surprised by. It may surprise you. I don't know that it'll surprise you. I don't know what you expect.
1: Um, Hyrule Warriors?
0: Nope. I already said that that's not on my list, but thank you for not listening to me ever. Uh, no, my number three is Risk is of it... Rain. Really? Yeah. Why not? Okay. Is it on your list? Yeah. Is it number two? We'll talk about it. We talked about what?
1: I said we'll talk about where it is on my list. Oh, we'll talk Look, about it's where a, it's on
0: later? Okay, cool.
1: It's a, it's a cock tease. Did I say that right? Yeah, People
0: I like that. Right? I see what you did there. Okay, cool. Well, we'll talk about Risk Arena more when John gets to it on in his end. But uh, for and John is so much better at describing games than I am. He really is. I'm good at like gamer culture and some of the meta like thoughts behind it and things like that. But John's the one that's good at describing games.
1: I so appreciate that. Was, I think you're giving me like a I think you're giving me a sincere compliment right now. It's actually making me a little uncomfortable.
0: Yeah, it's the only thing you're good at. Okay, in no, the that world. sounds right. Yeah, no, yeah, that sounds, yeah,
1: literally. That but much um, much closer to to what I'm used to.
0: That is a thing that you can do, which is surprising because generally you can't. Um, Risk of Rain is really good, uh, so it's, it's a game, um, it's a side-scrolling kind of platformer, but not really, um... No,
1: it is, that is exactly what it is, it is a a, side-scrolling, It is a
0: roguelike, could I say that it's a roguelike?
1: You absolutely could, because that is also what it is. Okay,
0: so it is a roguelike side-scrolling platformer that you can play multiplayer, which is the big draw, and, um, you, I don't even remember what you do in the game. You kill enemies, you get items, you progress to the next level... Um, but the difficulty escalates as time goes by, so you have to balance how long you want to spend gathering items and equipment with how quickly you want to progress to the next stage. And multiplayer it's basically one of the most satisfying experiences that you can have. Um, the only reason... <clears throat> The only reason it's not my number 2. Wait, is this am I going to lie now? Actually, yeah. The only reason it's not my number 2 is because it doesn't have dedicated servers. So to play online because it's an indie game. So that you know, they don't have a budget. Like so you have it's, to like It's
1: not just an indie game. Go back and listen to the episode we had about we had about it. Um it's 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 an indie game made by two dudes. I yeah, mean, it's, it's literally
0: it's, two guys. It is
1: like as indie as it ever gets.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that's understandable, and it is still a phenomenal game, don't get me wrong, it's just the, and, and it's not a slight against the developers whatsoever, like it is an awesome game, it was easily in my top five list, um, and obviously it's in John's as well, so I have nothing bad to say about this game, it's just that technologically it's it's limited slightly, and having to, to open your router ports and things like that to, to adjust all your settings. is it's, it's just a bit of a chore. doesn't always work. It can be a bit tedious, and that can detract from the experience, unfortunately. It's just the nature of technology. Um, I, I It shouldn't reflect poorly on this game, but I guess for me it kind of did. just as a tiebreaker. Um, and so there you are, uh, Risk of Frame. But it's, it's really fun. Several different characters and things you can unlock. Um, very rarely buggy. Very rarely buggy for how indie it is, as John said. Um, and it's just really, really good. It's so sad. It's, it's, it's really, really satisfying. Multiplayer experience. And it's multiplayer co-op, which I especially appreciate. Like, there's not that many good, meant-to-be co-op, co-op multiplayer experiences out there. I don't think. Um, you're usually fighting against each other, or maybe you're on a team or something. But th- this is, like, just meant to be a good old-fashioned you guys versus the computer kind of a deal, and it's so good. Um, it's really well-balanced. There's a lot of different settings. Um, there's even a multi uh, local co-op, which I believe you have to share the same screen or something. It's, it's not phenomenal, but it's there, so that's kind of fun. Um, mm-hmm. But I love Risk of Rain, and I'll let uh, John explain more of it later when we get to that on his list because he'll do a better job explaining it uh, than I did. But Risk of Rain I, is my number three game.
1: I will definitely do a better job of explaining it than you did. Sure. Um, my uh, because you do a bad job in most things. So my number two is uh, new Super Mario Three D World. Oh yeah, yeah. I was thinking about this when I was looking at the list. And first of all, I immediately knew this was going to make my list because it's real good, um, and I knew it was real good. And I haven't sat down. This was this was a game, a Mario game. Um, that I consumed the same way I consumed Mario Galaxy the first time that I ever played that. Now I did not feel the same way about this game as I did Mario Galaxy. Mario Galaxy, and I've talked about this before, and you've talked about this before. There was something, there was something transcendent, and I use that word all the time when I talk about this game. There was something transcendent about that game, in like the grand scheme of video games. I can remember sitting there and like. And like messing around with the gravity system that they had in place in that game and just being floored. I was yeah, I remember floored that. by it. It was one of the most magical gaming things, single-player gaming moments ever that I can ever remember. So, um, But I do remember sitting there, and I just like... You know, it's a single-player platforming experience. Um, and I would just sit there and play it for hours and hours. And I did the same thing with this game. There were... There were uh, particular green stars that I spent two hours getting. Specifically, the last green star in the game, which was the most frustrating gaming experience I've, I can remember in a very, very, very long time. Um, God, that that damn green star! But it had it had a level of fun and precision to it um, that that totally drew me in the same way that galaxy did and that was awesome that was awesome to have that again with a mario game um it has you know orchestrated music that is that is really really fun the levels like all of the best mario games the levels are all incredibly interesting and varied like super different super duper different um so uh it always felt like like really fresh and there were always and also just like the best Mario games, there were always like new systems that were implemented from level to level. So they all felt different. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. There was, um, it was a good game.
1: Yeah, so it was uh yeah, that was my that was my number two. And um if you own a Wii U, it is a must it's a must own for that particular console, I think.
0: Well so is my number two. If you own a Wii U, then it's a must-own for that particular console. Uh, Mario Kart. No, Mario Kart 8 did not make my list. Although Mario Kart 8 was really good. It probably should have been my number five.
1: I'm really surprised that that didn't make your list. So then it's Super Smash Bros.
0: It is Super Smash Bros. for Wii U.
1: Which is a really uh, dumb name. Can we agree that that's a really dumb name?
0: It is a dumb name. Uh, it is. It's so good, it makes me physically sick. <laughs> I want to. It doesn't make any sense. I want to projectile vomit on John's face, and then get diarrhea. That's how this game makes me feel.
1: Huh? Yeah. So really good then. It's so good. It's most things don't make me want most good things don't make me want to vomit. You know.
0: You know most good thing, but this is so good. at trans. It's tr- I, I and you use this word all the time. It's transcendent, uh, transcendatory. Actually.
1: Mm, it's that's actually not a real
0: transcendental word. meditative, Tran- transcendental meditation. I am that's a doing swing and a miss. I'm doing transcendental meditation right now as I think about the game, and that is uh, transpiring, and quite transpondent. I'm despondent over the transponding that is happening right now, quite frankly.
1: No, no, you've stopped. You lost it a long time ago. I think you just. Well, I think you just stroked out.
0: Maybe it's – you know what? If I stroked one out on this podcast, we would probably get thrown off YouTube.
1: Yeah, no, that's not what I said.
0: Just a thought. Pretty sure you did. So Smash Brothers for Wii U um, – Smash Brothers Melee was phenomenal. Then Smash Brothers Brawl happened, and I played it, and I was like, this is so much
1: better than Melee. Um, but uh, at the same you could, time – You could be crucified – like Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior for saying that. you know that
0: do right? a lot of yes, a lot of people uh, preferred melee, obviously, but I, I I enjoyed brawl for what it was. Oh, man. Um, I was never a competitive player. Well, I was never a good competitive player, however., uh, uh, I enjoyed brawl for what it was. Um, at, on some level, it was, you know, on, on some level all the Smash Brothers games are the same, right? And then I got Smash Brothers for 3DS and I thought, this is another Smash Brothers game. And then I got Smash Brothers for Wii U and I got this I I was like this is it just I can't I'm not good at words when I when describing this but Smash Brothers for Wii U evolves the game and it offers so much more and on such a higher level it's just like they took it they just did what they needed to do with it it it's a true evolution of the series I think I think the competitive scene is going to be robust and legitimate, and not feel like melees. It is so good. It's just such a good game. There are so many game modes. I've not gotten sick of it even remotely. The challenge is is substantial. Um, and the online multiplayer. While I, excuse me, still have not. What what is my body doing? It's making these. Yeah, you're having.
1: It is. You're having a really tough time tonight. I, I don't know what the deal is. Um. Uh, I
0: uh, I have not played extensively with the multiplayer, but it holds up well enough to well it to where it's playable. At worst, at best, it is a fast-paced, uh, perfectly functional one-on-one multiplayer experience. So, and I've not tried it with my new router, mind you, because I did get a new router, which. Uh, may contribute to this podcast being of slightly higher quality than some of our our, our other video podcasts recently. Uh, I'm on a dual band router, five gigahertz. Woot! Um, right now, but um, but 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 the multiplayer has not been unplayable at any point. Um, I really
1: watch do... the wheeze was brawl, brawl, There was plenty of multiplayer matches which we literally could not play.
0: Brawl was literally a. It was you just couldn't play. Period. Yeah. Um, yeah, this I've not experienced that level of heinousness. Um, it has not always been perfect. It still has some kinks to work out. But again, I've not played extensively, and I haven't played on my new router, and I got a new modem, too, just to be on the safe side, I guess. Um, so, you know, I can't be a complete judge of it, but I have had a lot of fun with some of my online matches, and I think that uh, gives a, a decent, at least solid foundation enough for me to say, like, yeah, this is a good thing. Um, and, that, and I've played it, you know, several times with friends, that uh, – the main kind of multiplayer mode that I talked about, the uh, the Smash Tour, which is kind of like a Mario Party board game-like thing combined with smashing, um, everyone has loved it every time we've played, every time we've played the game. And no matter what your level is, it really has a lot of um, little – Things here and there that kind of equalize the, uh, the kind of level of playing field a bit for players that are much better versus much worse. It's just it's so versatile and flexible and deep and polished and beautiful. I just Smash Bros. Wii U. I will you're be gonna playing, you're gonna vomit.
1: You're gonna
0: I'm gonna vomit. I will be playing well into 2015. Uh, and yeah, you're probably shocked it's not my number one, but
1: uh, I am a little. I am a little shocked, but then I know what your number one is. And. Uh... And, you know, that's good because you're not going to get another new Smash Brothers game um, probably for another six years. And uh, Nomura has actually already come out and said that he's not going to be making the next one.
0: He you said, mean uh, that's not Nomura? It's, uh, I thought it was Nomura. No, it's… Uh, it's, uh, it's Kas- um,
1: Kasurai? Is that his name? Sakurai? Sakurai, yeah. Okay, yeah, he, whoever the lead designer is has already come out and said that he's not going to be making the next one.
0: I knew that. So, mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so the next Super Smash Bros. will be made by somebody else. But, uh, you know, they take a long time. Like, they take a really long time to make. And, and so it'll be a while. So hopefully this one has some legs. It is true. Uh, now, did you do your number two already? I did. It was New Super Mario 3D World. Which that was your
0: you number need... two. Okay,
1: okay. Yeah, which means you need to do your number one, which I, I, I'm fairly certain I know what it is. Well,
0: we both we both know each other's number one at this point. I think think so. But I will go with my number one. My number one game, my game, my favorite game of 2014, I guess it's not really my favorite, but I guess uh, the one I felt was most well executed was Shovel Knight. Mm
1: -hmm. I remember you absolutely loving that game.
0: It is the perfect 8-bit era platformer, period.
1: You, like, you can't oh, like it. over like over eight bit platformers. It you know is, you're you know you're probably right because none of like the crazy the crazy NES bugs and crap exist in it.
0: Yeah, it, um, know,
1: it, it it's, is because programming has come such a long way since then.
0: And level design and uh, uh, you know things as is, is easy as you know saving say, save points and checkpoints. And, uh, I mean, an
1: optional checkpoints, something even cooler than that. Checkpoints that you don't even have to take. You can yes, break them exactly. for money.
0: They took some of the best parts of modern game design, m- retroized them, and put them in the game seamlessly. Um, it is as good as any Mega Man game, including Mega Man 2, like legitimately. Mm-hmm. It is as good as DuckTales. It is as good as any platformer from the Super Nintendo. It is as good as Super Mario Brothers 3.
1: Yeah, I mean, any of those games are they—they they are slightly difficult to go back to, you know. They are.
0: Uh, oh, I they... disagree, and I disagree. Like, I am an ape. I am. I mean, you know, I'm a platforming game guy. Platforming games are my bread and butter, and it's rare that one comes out that's this high quality. You know, like I love the Castlevania games. I love the Mega Man games. Um, I love the Mega Man X games. Those are really what I sink my teeth into. I am a platformer guy. And that's not always obvious on this podcast because, I mean, how many platformers come out these days, right?
1: I mean, the big notable ones, you know, are Super Meat Boy, they they exist. Some of, you know, Cloudberry Kingdom, like, they exist. Yeah, they're
0: there. They're there. Um, I, I'm not a huge fan of Super Meat Boy or Cloudberry Kingdom. I just don't like that. That's a different style of 8-bit uh, platforming, I think. Um, This is your old school traditional. This is not about, you know, like, just dying over and over and over again in repetitive little motions in, in tight spaces. This is like, you've got enemies, you've got things shooting at you, you've got pits, you've got items. You've got, like, it's so perfect. It is the perfect A P I D game. And they throw in New Game Plus and a cute story that is just adorable. One of the best final boss battles I can remember. I mean, it's just on par with any epic final you know, like you know, like back in the day when you were a kid and you would just play these epic final boss fights and you're just like, Oh, that was so cool, I beat him, you know, like even just fighting Doctor Wily, like that has this and you're like, Oh my God. Um so Shovel Knight, I, I really just think there's an entire let's play. I played through all of Shovel Knight on our YouTube channel, if you want to check it out. It's my first let's play ever. It's not really like perfect or in any way. Uh, I'm not really like- it's
1: it's horrible. Um
0: yeah, I'm not particularly good nigh at it, un- but...
1: Nigh unwatchable, like you.
0: But I do have some humorous commentary, as I am once to do, so I cannot recommend Shovel Knight enough. I played it on Steam just so I could stream it, but it's on every platform, including Wii U, which is a huge deal because not that many things come to Wii U, and I believe it's also on 3DS. I think, um,
1: it's, I think you're right. I think it's on everything. I think it's on yeah, every yeah. single digital platform you can get.
0: It is everywhere. Shovel Knight is—it uh, just—it wrecked me, man. I mean, it just was so perfect, just perfect. Um, I—I I cannot say anything enough about Shovel Knight. You already talked about it a bit, but, um, you know, everything from the music to the map to the level design, everything. There's nothing bad about this game. Nothing bad about Shovel Knight. So, Shovel Knight is my game of the year. And I can't wait to talk about your game of the year now. C-
1: congratulations to Shovel
0: Knight. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll tweet at you. That's your congratulations.
1: So my game of the year is League of Legends. How crazy!
0: How crazy! Two years in a row. Crazy. Two years in here.
1: Yeah, here it is. It just crazy. keeps going. No. no way. So I, I, I already, I already teased. Uh, my, my, my game of the year is Risk of Rain. I am shocked. It really is. Um this is a game. This is a game that you and I played like 50 hours of. And I don't think you realized how much Risk of Rain that we played.
0: We did play a lot.
1: We played a lot of Risk of Rain. So, we played a ton of Risk of Rain back in January, back at the start of the year. And this is the game that from month to month I will be sitting at work. Or I will be sitting you know, like watching a football game. Um, or I was would be sitting watching a baseball game. And I would be thinking, Man, I would really like to just play Risk of Rain again. There was something about Risk of Rain for me that just had its hooks in me. And I just needed over the past couple of nights, I've I've played uh I've played Risk of Rain with a friend. Um a couple of times through again and it totally solidified that it was the correct choice for me for game of the year because when when you sent me that list you sent out the list of games that we talked about this year and you know I'm glad you did that because I forgot and I'm sure you did too until oh yeah, you, I until, I until you made it. I, for, I forgot like half the games on. Listen, if, if I was just going to go by memory, I guarantee you this wouldn't have been number one. But as soon as I saw that on the list, I was like, "Holy sh! Was that really this year? Because for some reason, I thought it was last year that we talked about it. But I thought, "Oh my God, that's that was this year. And that immediately made me think about it again. Like, gosh, that was some of the most fun ha- I had, and especially the co-op of that game. It is one of like you said when you were talking about it, it is one of the best co-op experiences that I can remember ever. It, was, it is so much fun co-op. So you talked about it. It's a 2D platforming roguelike. There are, um, there's money that drops from basically everything, and it's your job to get all the money and then open the randomly, the randomly generated chests that spawn on every level to get a huge variety of items, like every other roguelike. And the items break the general rules of the game in various ways that are, most of the time, pretty fun. Obviously, some items are better than others, also a hallmark of, of roguelikes. And items combine together to form these like crazy effects that are s- pretty sweet, right? Um, and that's basically the game, is going from level to level and doing that. Every level is just a big arena, and you just go until you find the teleporter, and you find the teleporter, you survive a gauntlet, and after you survive the gauntlet, you move on. And the difficulty increases by time. That's it. That's all there is to the game. It's not that complicated of a game. But the pixel art style that it has, it's got this really retro, almost Atari style graphic to it.
0: Oh, it's good. It's like Fez. It's like Fez. Is or, it? Or, uh, like, it's like Fez, uh, the graphic style of Fez, or, um, uh, oh, what's the game that I played on PSP last year? Um, Fez, or, uh, I have, I don't know it.
1: Okay. But it's like Fez, which I think some people know. I think. I think some gamers will know that. Um, yeah,
0: yeah. Fez or the, or that one indie game that one dude in Japan made uh, that came out on a couple of different... um came out on, like, PC a few years ago. Oh, my God, that's going to drive me crazy now.
1: I have no idea what
0: you're talking about. I know you don't. Oh, God, that's so frustrating. Oh, God, I'm going to... I got to... Oh, God. I Continue talking.
1: Okay, so... Um, the, the, but the art style is, I think, one of the biggest draws of the whole game. I really do. It's really, so it's super good. Um, but as a cooperative experience, like, I, we, Max and I got done doing a run of that game, and all I wanted to do was start another run of that game. And the, we, we died the first two runs. It's still very challenging. We weren't even playing on the highest difficulty. Um, and I'm, I'm, decent at that game now because I have played through it so many times. Uh, but it is still challenging every time that you play that game. So for me, for the money it costs to buy it, it is it is just it was it was kind of hands down my game of the year when I when I realized that it was still in this year. It really was.
0: Yeah, it's uh and I was just looking at Steam. It looks like we I unlocked my first achievement December 29th, 2013. So we did start playing it, like, literally the, the last couple days of last year.
1: Yeah, and, I mean, we didn't talk... Obviously, we didn't talk about it then until the start of, of, of the following year. So it still counts, damn it.
0: It really does. I'm still trying to remember the name of this stupid game that I played that looks like Fez. Cave Story!
1: And... And the great thing, just the great thing about it is it is so replayable. You know, it, the, the characters that you're playing as, um, they have four different abilities and there's no resources that you have to manage. It's just everything has a cooldown. So you have four different abilities. All of your abilities have cooldowns, except for one. You've got a basic attack that's different for every character, but um, those don't have cooldowns. So you don't have to worry about any resources that you're managing. You're just using things when they come off a cooldown for the most part. But there's about 12 different characters. You only start with one, and you unlock them as you play the game. But for such a simple style of game, every character is so different. Like, legitimately, they play completely differently, and they break the game in various ways. So even when you have how you feel... Like, if if you feel you have, like, mastered a particular character... The game will feel completely different and fresh if you simply change to another character. I mean, there's a level of there's it is deceptive how complex I think the game actually is, um, because just I there there are, there's a particular character that like I can play and I think I could probably complete almost every run with this one character because I have played this particular character so many times, right? But I have changed to like a a character that I just recently unlocked for the first time, and I can't get through like the second level, because I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Like I'm not playing that character correctly. And
0: part of it's also dependent on who your partner is too,
1: or if you're playing alone. And also or you're the, playing alone. And like many roguelikes, like the items that you get. I mean, that's part of the roguelike experience. It's like you're gonna get a different kit every time you play the game.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think our only complaint was that it can feel a little imbalanced if you have, I think it was either three or four players. Um, the game balances really well for one player or two players, but then as a, as either three or four, it gets a little kind
1: of... The problem is they don't increase the number of items that you can get, and so, per like, per level. So there may be, you know, uh, ten items that you can get in, in a single level. Um, and so if that doesn't increase on the last on the last level you know instead of having a, a kit of 20 items with which you're playing you may have like five if you're playing with a four-player game and it uh the last level became very difficult yeah that was a thing that did happen so yeah. um it's, yeah that was a that was kind of a legitimate complaint um but I, it's still it wasn't enough for me it's not like we sat and played that game as a four-player game really ever we did that a single time and realized pretty quickly that it just didn't balance that way. But it was still fun as hell to play it as four players.
0: Yeah, and, and I would I would argue, too, there's no dedicated service again, so that actually that means you're probably not going to end up with four players that often, right? Because you have to have four people you know at the same time willing to play.
1: Yes, um, yeah, yeah. It's not like there's any kind of matchmaking, exactly.
0: Yeah, so it's perfectly balanced for two players. Like, John and I used to play this game... We would play for like three hours, and I looked at my Steam log, and I've only logged 21 hours in the game, not 40, which actually surprises me. You've probably logged at least 40 or 50.
1: I have, for Uh, sure, because i played it a lot solo as well. I mean, it's a great single-player experience as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I don't particularly care for it solo as much, but it's not... It's not unplayable solo. Like Castlevania HD, that multiplayer Castlevania game that that we used to play for Xbox Live or PS Network or whatever, um, the multiplayer Castlevania game for Xbox Live was unplayable on one player. It just wasn't fun. Nothing was good about it. It was just really boring and terrible.
1: Yeah, uh, and the whole balance the whole nuts. balance of this game is all based around the items. So, the, I mean, the way that that balance exists is you just get a ton more items when you're playing by yourself. And so, rather than having two characters that feel very powerful, you have one character that feels ridiculously powerful if you're going to win at the end of the game.
0: Yeah. I mean, and, and the game isn't even that fresh in my head because I haven't played it, God, in months. But... uh uh, april i think is when steam says i last played it but uh the art style too and the music are both really good
1: yeah the music is great as well i agree
0: yeah so you know you can go back and listen to our podcast on it it's uh like 55 or it's in the 50s somewhere between episode 50 and episode 60 we do review risk of rain and and we we do talk quite highly of it for good i I think
1: think, and i think part of the other the, the other reason why it's it's so high up there for me was it's such a surprise like it just came out of nowhere. What a random thing! It's got a name that means absolutely nothing. I mean, you would never, you would never like see a game pop up in your Steam curator thing called Risk of Rain and be like, "Huh, that sounds interesting." Like it's just, it's got an, a completely unassuming name, and it was just such a surprise, fun thing. Like it was just, it's, it's awesome. Yeah, it's, it was good. It's, it's really awesome.
0: So there you go. The games of the year from unqualified gamers are, in no particular order, Shovel Knight and Risk of Rain. (laughs)
1: So random. You know, know, it's... Gosh, it's not uh, not any of the big budget stuff.
0: Yeah, we're weird. We're weird. I mean, look... I don't think we are.
1: I don't think we are. I think it speaks to the strength of the indie scene right now. It's such a strong scene. It really is. Like... The, because the development costs on these big-budget things are so high, it's become prohibitive for a lot of studios. And so the choice they have is to make a mid-budget thing, which basically doesn't exist anymore, or they turn around and they make these crazy, we, like weirdly-idead indie games. And sometimes, you know, there's there's probably, and you and I don't play a lot of it because we, we don't, We don't like if if we're playing something we don't like. We don't really waste our time with it. There's probably a lot of crap out there. Yeah, there usually is. But every once in a while, you hit these crazy gems like Binding of Isaac Rebirth, like Risk of Rain, like Shovel Knight. These crazy tower defense. Right. So the games I just mentioned, you hit those games, and they're like they're just they they seemingly come out of nowhere. They're these super small studios, and they're really good. And it's just it's awesome. It's really awesome. Yeah, um, I agree. I think that it's hard for you or
0: I to have time to play these big blockbuster games too. Like most indie titles aren't epics, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. Um, So, you know, uh, like Watch Dogs.
1: But I can play, but see the thing is, is like I can play those big budget games for even a short period of time and feel really good about what I've got out of them. Like I don't, I don't think I feel like I need to complete a game to speak to speak about it.
0: And that's the difference between you and me. Like I got Watch Dogs and I played six or eight or ten hours or whatever, and then I stopped. And like I just feel like it was a waste of money. It was like, oh yeah, I played some hours of this game, you know. Um,
1: I mean, maybe that speaks to the quality of the game. Maybe it just wasn't that fun.
0: To me, there is, there is like a monetary value even in the ability to beat a game. Like, part of the value of a game is finishing it, and I don't know, like, Hyrule Warriors, like, there's tons of games on the Wii U that I want to play. I did not, I will not, like, I don't want to move on until I've beaten Hyrule Warriors, because otherwise I feel like I haven't gotten what I want out of it, because I don't feel a sense of, I, I guess I just need a sense of closure when I finish a game. And maybe that's why Pokemon Y was so low, because I didn't get any closure, because I still have all these Pokemon and all these boxes, and it's like, do I get the Ruby and Omega games and then trade Pokemon and try to keep collecting? And like, then where does that stop? And and there's just no end to it, I guess.
1: I mean, really, this sounds like a horrible character flaw of yours. I
0: think maybe I just have horrible character flaws, but I, I like to have a definitive end to things, and I don't think I got that. Although... Certain games can pull it off, such as Sketchy Tower Defense.
1: Yeah, sure. No, you're right. That's a really good one.
0: Because you can't beat that game. You can just survive as many waves as you can. But that's like arcade style. And arcade style is fine. But yeah, I, I, I feel a need for closure in in order to finish games. And maybe that's also why Final Fantasy, you know, Lightning Returns, Final Fantasy 13, ranked so high on my list because it gave an epic sense of closure to a, an epic scale series with epic storylines and epic characters, you know? That
1: sounds, yeah, it um, sounds pretty epic, you're right. It's well, very, I mean, it, epic. I mean, I, is, okay, like, and and I guess that could explain too why games like Risk of Rain, which has a, a start and an end that you reach after 30 to 45 minutes, right? Um, and like last year, Rogue Legacy made both of our lists. And that was very much the same thing. You do a run of that in 20 minutes.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And that game's great. I mean, that game's really good.
0: The game is really good. Yeah, Rogue Legacy. I almost listed Rogue Legacy since Ryan told us the Rogue Legacy drinking game, which is a good time, always.
1: Oh, I didn't hear about that, but I bet it's really good.
0: It was a terrible podcast that Ryan co-hosted that you should go listen to.
1: I I thought I listened to that whole thing. Well. I don't remember the Rogue Legacy drinking game, though.
0: Clearly not. Clearly not. I don't remember what it was either, but it doesn't matter. Uh, You can go find that somewhere in our archives. But, yeah, um, uh... I think that we have a solid top two. I think we could, we certainly. I mean, we had them on each other's lists, just lower. So obviously, those left quite the end. In- because we didn't play like. I mean, if you're not like a r- very regular listener to this podcast, uh, listener John and I don't play a lot of the same games. Um, this year, we actually played a decent amount of the same games, but I would say I would say about half, no more than half of the games we play are also played by the other. Um, and, so it's, you know, it's kind of a testament, I think, to just the quality of a game. The quality of
1: the games, because if they show up on both of our lists, you can, you can pretty much assume that they're very good.
0: Yeah, yeah, because John and I have, you know, somewhat differing tastes in games, you know. Uh, obviously, as the rest of our lists were very different. Um, so there you go. There's our top five, and our top, are there any, Ooh, and, and actually, um. This has all actually kind of been a setup, and I feel bad for 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 uh, for tricking the listener. But uh, actually, John and I each have a number zero game that we both agree on. It's better than anything else on our list. Um, this is the best game possibly ever made, especially in 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, this game is called NES Remix Two. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I can't. I, oh, my God. I can't even. I, I totally forgot that they gave existed. Oh, man, God, me too. What a me, bad time. That was what the a, worst
0: game of 2014. <laughs> what a bad time that was. It was so bad.
1: It was so bad. Oh, I'm glad you brought that back up. That really puts a nice little uh, bow, a nice little bow on 2014. So, you know, I had a great year uh, in terms of video games. I really did. I thought... I played a lot of really fun games this year. And I think you froze. I think you... You you know what you did? You requested NES Remix 2 be the top of both of our lists, and then it literally broke your computer. It literally broke your computer. So very good job. Uh, listener, I, as usual, I want to thank you for putting up with Cody and listening to the dulcet tones of me, uh, Jonathan, as... Uh, uh, as here we are, unqualified gamers here. Um, So thanks for joining us and we'll see you next year.